Hear that? That's the sound of your farm business growing. Tree planting can work hand-in-hand with food production, help restore nature, and you can even generate extra income. Build the future of your business, your land, and the environment with a Woodland Creation Grant and receive free expert advice to start your tree planting journey. Find out how your business can branch out. Search Woodland Creation today. Grants are for England only. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Farmer's Guardian podcast. Over the years, game meat has very much become a bigger part of the conversation when it comes to both food and the environment. I'm Emily Ashworth, the Farmer's Guardian's online editor, and I am talking to Louisa Clutterbuck, CEO of Eat Wild. In this episode, we discuss education, careers and food. And for any football fans out there who frequent the Emirates Stadium, you might want to take a close look at the menu next time you're there. Because through sheer hard work and passion, Louisa and the team have made sure game is on menus everywhere across the country. I think it would be nice because I don't think I know either. You know, what is your actual background and how did, you know, this interest in the the sector kind of come about? Yeah, so I grew up on a small holding, literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, my parents' driveway is like a mile-long mud track. Um, we drive through a farmyard to get, you know, down into our house. And we had a few sheep. My parents were very much hobby farmers. My dad worked full-time. So we had a ginormous veg patch and horses and things like that growing up. Um, so it was very rural, very, very into farming, but... I used to go out dairy farming with my grandfather. Um, So I grew up in the countryside and very sadly watched, you know, my my cousins had a huge dairy herd and they had to sell all that. And now they do beef. Um, But yeah, so my friend was actually recruiting for the role and she just put up on Facebook saying, I'm looking for a very niche role, must be passionate about the countryside but have very strong organizational skills and that's kind of how I joined the BGA originally <laughs> um, okay yeah so it's kind of meant to be then so you you obviously do have a a connection um how long ago was that now actually because I know that you know we've actually spoken for a, a very good number of years now yeah 2018 okay so, yeah August 2018 I joined um and obviously we were the BJ and that was formed in 20, yeah, May, 2018. Um, and I joined in the August, but yeah, it, um, it was great because I hated London and I, you know, I was there because that's where if you want to earn any money kind of need to be, but it was, so it was lovely to be able to do something that was so related to the countryside. Yeah. Just in terms of, you know, in case anybody kind of doesn't know, um, Obviously, you know, the organisation is now known as Eat Wild, but like you mentioned, it, it hasn't always been um, that. And actually, it's quite nice because it's all encompassing that, isn't it? But do you want to just tell people a, l- a little bit about the organisation? Um, and maybe it's, you know, kind of journey over the years, because we will come to this in the conversation. But what you actually do and what you're promoting, it's becoming a lot more talked about and, and um, a larger part of the conversation when it comes to food. So do you want to just tell people what it's all about and it's kind of journey up until this point? So um, originally we started as British Game Alliance um, and that was under Tom Adams as the MD. And it was set up because there was an oversupply of of game 
And also there was no way, um, there wasn't an insurance scheme like there was with Red Tractor. So if we wanted to open up new markets for game, we really needed to have that assurance scheme in place. And then on, we also need to prove to government that we're self-regulating and shoots are adhering to best practice and benefiting the environment. Uh, and so the way to do that was through the assurance scheme. So uh, we were British Game Alliance and then Tom um, left and Liam Stokes took over and he wanted to rebrand it to British Game Assurance um, because it's Red Tracks of Farm Assurance. So he said, why are we not just British Game yeah. Assurance be what it says on the tin? Yeah. So Paul Liam obviously joined and it was right at the start of COVID. Uh, so we had two lockdown years followed by sort of two bird, bird flu years. Um, so our membership took quite a heavy hit. Yeah. Um, and so sort of two years ago, um, a coalition was formed called Aim to Sustain Assurance. Uh, sorry, Aim to Sustain, not Assurance yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, Aim to Sustain is a coalition of the nine shooting organisations. And um, we decided that it'd be best if the assurance transferred over to Aim to Sustain so that the nine shooting organisations could have ownership of the scheme because when we were originally set up it was always agreed that the scheme would be run by the shooting community and the best way to do that is to have the organizations that represent those people um so after a year of negotiation um and getting it all sorted as you can imagine with nine organizations that's a lot that goes into it we finally um the transfer happened in november um, so it's now rebranded as Aim to Sustain Assurance, Game Assurance. And um, we have now rebranded as Eat Wild, the development board for Wild Meat. I always headed up Eat Wild, um, just some background on kind of how Eat Wild started. That was our consumer campaign of VGA. And we did direct to consumer marketing, trying to get them to try game for the first time. And um, that was launched in, um, on, I was thinking it was November, 2018. So it's been running for a really long time and actually has got, you know, people really recognize it. So it was very important to me that we didn't lose Eat Wilds because it's, um, yeah, it's come on leaps and bounds since it was launched. It's really interesting actually, isn't it? Because um, I find the whole consumer connection and how we create, you know, a kind of bridge between, what we do in this sector as a whole to the to the people who are you know receiving that end product and doing what they want with it how you know marketing and how we market ourselves and our messages and you know the, the benefits that we kind of provide for society it's got to be so key it's got to be so kind of direct uh, and eat wild kind of does that doesn't it because it kind of encompasses what I guess um, a lot of the general public are after, which is sustainability, kind of that story from um, farm to fork. So, you know, marketing is a huge part of of what we need to be, to be doing. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I think there's definitely um, a sector of our community don't really understand the need for the consumer, the consumer marketing because... Yeah. Um, obviously the commercial stuff we do is so important but 
if we've got it on like Young's pubs, you know, they're all, you know, they are now doing wild meat on the menu. That's it. If that person has never heard of a pheasant, why on earth would they then pick it off a menu? So it really ties in together. And it's so important that the, the consumer campaign continues alongside all the commercial. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think as well, um, this is the other thing, is that sometimes we get so ingrained, don't we, in what we're doing, you actually forget that um, not everybody knows what you kind of know doing your day-to-day job. Yeah, yeah. last year was a huge wake-up call because it was the first time I was doing shows just under the Eat Wild banner. And it was fascinating. Like I had people being like, what is a venison? Um, and, you know, you know, they were like, but you can't, how do you eat a game? Like, you can't eat netball or hockey or, you know, what, or rugby, whatever it was. And I was like, <laughs> wow, what, what do you think you're talking about? And then I was like, oh my God, this is why I need to call it wild meat. Because it just makes that separation from the traditional farmed meats. Did wow. you see, I'm sideline, but did you see the, um, the Australian lamb boards marketing video they've just put out this morning? Yeah, it, it's the one where they're riding around, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, and I absolutely love, you know, that lamb brings everyone together. I thought it was amazing. And I was like, huh, how can I harness that sort of... But it also shows the very different type of different demographics that we need to yeah. try and appeal to. Because, you know, the older generation, when they've had game, they're like, oh, no, it's really strong in flavour. And I'm like, oh, no, no, you know, people don't hang it anymore. And, you know, explain about the supply chain. And then you get, you know, they're the hard ones to persuade is the yeah. ones that have really overcooked bad... Yeah, you know, very strong game. And if you explain to them, you just need them to taste it, and then they're back on board. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> I, d- I definitely want to get into kind of the stats and demographics and things like that of you know the people that you are targeting. But first, I just really want to talk about you know how how are you actually delivering that message in terms of you know showing people that game is actually you know, it, it can be a part of how we manage the environment sustainably. And actually, you know, like you just touched on, it's the meats that kind of come under that umbrella are really diverse and they can, you know, if you're kind of talking to a family, for example, they can fit into, you know, the family meals that you you want to create and things like that. How are you delivering that message? So we do um, food festivals, music festivals, um I try and avoid sort of country shows now and just go okay. to, um, yeah, I'm doing the hospitality show up in the Lake District for the first time. And um, we also took a, a food truck into the centre of Newcastle. Um, so, we did uh, Bristol, yeah. so, yeah, we did Bristol a few years ago and we'd chosen Bristol because it has the highest population of vegans and vegetarians. And we were like, okay, oh, we want to accepted. Total sideline for that as well. My my younger sister was a vegetarian and I got her eating wild meat and now she's back to eating all meat again. So really? I think it's like a really nice way to like get people back into eating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, Brist- uh, in Newcastle, we handed out uh, 1,200 portions of game samples. And I would say like 85% of the people that we ha- we were tasting it had never tried it before. Yeah. And so that's the way that we, you know, do our sort of direct to consumer work. And we we showcase it in very um, new ways, just like you would have like a a a chicken pasta bake, have a pheasant pasta bake, but it's higher in protein. 
um we did like pulled venison and loaded fries and pulled pheasant loaded fries and you had pheasant goujons pheasant burgers um a whole array of stuff and because it's just like you know they see other meats like that they're like oh okay this isn't intimidating or scary I, I'm definitely going to give it a go yeah we are talking about this way too close to lunchtime oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it oh, goodness yeah um so let's talk about then um I also love that your sister could potentially just make your whole campaign for you this is what could, <laughs> this is what could happen <laughs> um can we talk about stats then and in terms of kind of maybe you and your growth in, in either consumption or members or, you know, how do you measure success as well? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so we don't have membership anymore. Um, we are completely funded through donations, um, but growth. So we we do do Kantar reports through retail. Um, so three years ago, we'd seen a 9.6 increase in game sales. That has that did drop down um, the year after to 7.6, but that's because supermarkets couldn't get the ledge-free supply. Um, and then this year, I haven't done the Cantor report yet, but anecdotally, from I've had from about six sort of game suppliers, they've all seen a huge increase in the sales of game. So people are definitely interested in it, and they are, I think, are you know, a lot of the stigma is going that it's a Michelin. You know, they see it on MasterChef and they're like, oh, well, I can never cook that. That is definitely uh, dissipating. Do you ever do anything in, in terms of, or do you want to, in terms of education? Because obviously a lot of these conversations centre around that, um, you know, even if it just comes to looking at how we get farming into schools and into education, we need to get into primary schools and talk to the generation who, you know, are going to end up kind of being the target audience. Is that something that you're interested in? Yes. So we... Um... Recently, uh, Leon, our culinary director, who he only works four days a month for us, um, but he just got 32 nurseries um, putting wild meat on the menu. Wow. Yeah, which is really, really exciting. But we do do a lot of education in schools. We have an amazing, so we, because I'm the only full-time employee, um, we have a team of ambassadors who are around the country. And one, Alex, who's up in Cheshire, he, he's been amazing. He is an ex-gamekeeper, but he's also a lecturer at Reese College. Um, and he's been going around all his local schools and colleges. Oh, he's also, I mean, he's going to Yorkshire. He's been traveling around a lot. Um, but he, yeah, teaching children. Because he's a lecturer, he knows how to speak yeah. to children. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's done so much. We also did um, the Children's Countryside Day in Northumberland. Is it Northumberland? Yeah, that's how you go, oh, Northumbria. I was no, I always get Cumbria and Northumbria. Sorry. Um, yeah, and that we did four thousand school children. Wow. And to see a Venice uh, deer being butchered, and then we would serve it to them, and it was amazing. What well, just out of interest because I think it's you know I, I love the education side of things. What was their reaction to that? Were they open to it? Were they asking lots of um, questions? yeah really excited by it there was two little girls that were very upset by the butchery yeah um, one of them wouldn't try the meat but one of them was like absolutely and I came up with a little catchphrase of like eat a deer save a tree okay um, you know very basic but they loved it so because you know the deer population at the moment is so out of control I think we've got it's about over a million deer or something and it's the highest it's ever been since Norman times wow, so okay 
yeah but if you and if you explain all that to them you know we even had the teachers who are vegetarian being like oh I might actually start eating it then you know so and also I talk about pigeon I always tell the vegans like you do realize we have to eat you have to shoot the pigeons for your crops to grow um yeah so it's very interesting because you you see people actually stop and think oh my god and I had never thought about that but and it's just because they don't know and you know it's all education and actually you know the point is and and again this comes back to the conversations that we have in terms of farming and just engaging with farmers or the or just those who produce food in any capacity, you know, we're not asking everybody to kind of change what they're doing overnight, but just to have those conversations and just to get a bit of an insight because then, you know, that's the only way that we can have these wider conversations and discussions really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, That kind of leads me on nicely, really, because the other side of this that I wanted to touch on um, and, you know, you talk about how you were talking to these children about the hows and the whys and, you know, this benefits this and that sort of thing. Careers, careers in the game sector can, you know, offer some really like fulfilling jobs. Um, but also it's not just about food, it's about the environment. So, again, that's another whole set of careers that opens up to a whole lot of people who maybe were never connected to this sector before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um two-thirds of rural land in the UK are managed by game producers so it's it's massive um the conservation element and I think you know that's actually very interesting like a lot of gamekeepers are now calling themselves game conservationists or game rangers and just changing their titles a little bit because actually it the gamekeeper doesn't fully reflect all the work they're doing yeah there are a huge amount of jobs actually on a, a separate thing to Ewald, I set up women who work in field sports. And it's really blown my mind how many women there are, firstly, who are working within it. And also what varied roles there are, you know, from estate manager to gun, you know, uh, shoot instructor. There's just, yeah, there's a lot. It's so important yeah. for the economy. Yeah, we've got a really um, fantastic lady who does um, a quarterly blog for us. She's called Nicole Moore. And under... Um, her social media handle is um, shooting girl with an afro, and she's all about yeah. yeah she, I thought you might recognise the the social yeah. media, <laughs> you know, like getting people in from um, outside of our sector. It's you know, it's we know that we we need more people coming in, and we need fresh talent. So actually, it's a it's a great way to to attract people on that environmental conservation sustainability kind of line. Yeah, and I'm also very proud of the team that we have at Eat Wild is that we're very diverse and we're all quite young. So we kind of do have our fingers in the pulse a little bit. And yeah, we're not what, when people think about shooting, we're not the stereotypical people that you would think about. Um, because I do think we need to diversify shooting a lot more. I know some people are like, oh, you know, it's just being politically correct. But no, it's really important the more people we can get involved in it, you know, I think the more that people understand it and, and can take part in it, the less resistance we're going to, to face. So if there is one thing then that you would like, you know, say you um, could tell anybody who who didn't have any idea about what you're doing or the kind of the, the sector that you're working in, and you could tell them one thing just to kind of maybe um, pique their interest, what, what would it be? Oh, well, I always start with the food. 
but maybe yeah. I shouldn't yeah I always just am like it's need by stomachs yeah but it, it is you know food, food is the one thing that we all need right no one can survive without food and so it's a really easy place to start as a common interest and then you know when you talk to them about oh but okay this pheasant has has lived out in the wild for x amount of weeks versus a batch farm chicken obviously I do not want to hate on other meat but you know that's just a really easy win and um even you know deer is, is such an easy story they're out in the wild they get shot don't even know it's coming um but it needs to be done so yeah food I think food is the easiest way to 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 convert people in and once also as soon as they're hooked on eating it then they're going to want to know where it's come from and how how they can yeah. get involved with with it yeah yeah so it's almost working backwards isn't it from kind of something that we all have common ground you know find something that we all have a bit of common ground with and kind of work backwards yeah um, okay, well, in terms of future plans then um, for Eat Wild, what what does the future look like for you? How are you, are you, is there any new things that you can talk about that you're doing or yeah, so, um, you know, where do you hope to get with it? Well, um, I, I, I when I took over in April, I said that I wanted to make game a, a staple of every household in the UK. And people have told me that I'm completely bonkers and I'll never need, uh, you know, I'll never achieve it. And I actually probably can't achieve it because we don't have enough pheasant or you know to to do that yeah. <laughs> um yeah um very excitingly we've just um obviously tops nurseries with the 30 nurseries fantastic um we we got um uh through delaware north we had game being served at several football matches um during november and we want to that was during, just in the hospitality areas they served um venison but we want to try and get them doing it in, you know, in the stands. Um, I'm not really allowed to talk about it, but the Six Nations, there will definitely be some wild meat pies being served there. Yeah, that's an exclusive. Yeah, I really have to be, yeah, I have to be quite quiet. <laughs> I need to get that one fully signed off on the comms. But um, yeah, so I can't go into details about that one. But it's just probably having it at football matches, rugby matches, you know, people just seeing it more and more. Um, and getting used to it um I really really want to do quite a big music festival this year that's from a consumer side you know car fest was amazing I'm going to do it again just because there were so many people who had never tried it before um I really want to do game at Glastonbury but I think that I was just about to say (laughs) um I don't know (laughs) yeah but um we're very like quite a lot of our states actually do have uh, festivals very kindly and you know they're like oh you could always have a stand with ours um but yeah it's trying to find a crowd that are interested in music but also food because there's also an element of people that don't eat for like three days when they go to festivals so <laughs> yeah all about balance yeah <laughs> yeah exactly trying to find the best one um but yeah no with my main focus really I'm going to do no country shows and it's all going to be targeting urban millennials gen z yeah tiktok our tiktok is is slowly growing um yeah i mean i did watch one of the tiktoks the other day i think you were making i can't remember what kind of pie it was but it was a pie um and you know the ease of it i think sometimes people are just quite scared to try these things that they don't know what to do with it but actually you know you take all that away it's cooking a pie it's 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 simple, it's homely, and it's something that you can do. I got told off not putting pastry all the way around it. Someone was like, that's not a proper pie. Oh. 
I'm, I'm southern you know a pie for me just has pastry on top <laughs> you win some you lose some <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but um, that, is, that is a really a point that's why we try and say don't you know don't do other than ready try and you know do breasts and legs separately and that sort of stuff um, I do want to finish on, on you know, kind of your favourite recipes or your favourite game meat. But just before we do that, I also want to just touch on the fact uh, that there is, you know, nutritional value to these meats that you are talking about. And um, people don't realise that either, that the, the density of nutrients in these animals that kind of live a much more natural, if you know, in very basic terms, much more natural life. Yeah. You know, that's a huge selling point. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think it's uh, six or seven grams per hundred grams. Um, pheasant has higher protein than chicken. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's an entire sector of people that do not care where their meat comes from. All they want to know is the protein content and the macros. And that is a huge selling point for us because, um, you know, it's pheasant is leaner it's, it's much lower in fat I mean venison as well is lower in cholesterol and in fat than beef so if you've been told by your doctor or oh, you can't have any beef I'm like okay but you don't need to be deprived of red meat you can just eat venison yeah. um so yeah I'm actually that's one of the things my aims this year is to try, try and get the British Nutritional Foundation to be pushing venison a lot more because um there's no reason they shouldn't be yep yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? This, that kind of link between, you know, when you're talking about proteins and um, the link between our industry and the fitness industry, it's actually a lot closer than you would first imagine. So, yeah, huge market potential. Um, okay, to end on, what is your favourite meal um, and recipe? Can you share that with us if you can pick one? <laughs> uh, so I've, my favourite meal I like to have out is a venison tartare, but to cook at home... Oh, I know my my favorite one at home is um, a pheasant Kiev. It's and especially if you can do it with wild garlic, ah, oh, just it's dreamy. Yeah, it's, and it's so easy. And but the butter keeps the stops the breast getting dry. And just have it with some mustard mash or some chips, and it's it's so simple, but it's absolutely delicious. Sounds good also, to me. <laughs> spaghetti, like if I did a pheasant um, a pheasant carbonara last night, and that was pretty delicious yeah amazing so anyone who wants to you know check out what you're doing do you want to just tell people where they can find more information and um all the recipes for these things that we've talked about um this lunchtime <laughs> yeah so um all our recipes can be found on www.eatwild.co um we're let's eat wild on instagram tiktok um, or it might just actually just be eat wild on TikTok. And um, if you want to support us, we have like silly t-shirts that you can buy and um, you can donate. And that's at backbritishgame.co.uk. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Louisa is certainly on a mission. And as for those recipes, it would be great to know actually if anyone listening tries them after this podcast. Farmers Guardian will be back again next week with another episode. But from me, it's a goodbye until next time. Thank you very much for listening.